Winning is hard, so I think tonight was a great testament for our kids and how much they love each other and how much they love playing for each other and, and the staff. And when I say it was for South Carolina, it's a great night, you know, for Gamecock Nation and, and for the Carolina fans across the, the state. Yeah, it was awesome. You saw our players uh, respond to the fans that were sitting in the corner. Uh, they're fired up. Our support staff's fired up. The energy inside of the, the locker room was awesome. It was a dance party, man. It was just the way it should be after a big win. You know, we have an expectation that we're going to win easy, but um, sometimes it's not so easy. I think it's difficult to win in this conference. I think it's difficult to win. You can never feel comfortable until there's zeros on the clock. I mean, 21 seconds, and they drive down there and, and have a chance to tie it. Oh, I knew they was going to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. You know, I hate it for the kids, you know, and all that. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brad. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter and flying solo for this episode, but I got a fun idea here. It's going to get me in a ton of trouble. So I'm going to put out a graphic and everything. Feel free to tag cousin Shane on that bad boy just to, to give him something to complain about the next time he stops by. But I am going to project the winning totals that Vegas will put out for all 14 SEC teams for the upcoming season. Now, this is an important note to make. This is not me predicting how many games each team will win. This is me predicting what their over-under win totals will be. And, of course, the win totals are just regular season. They do not factor in bowl games, playoff games, SEC championship Anything like that. It's just the regular season, so the maximum you can have is 12. And essentially, no one's got an over-under of 12 going into a football season. So, without further ado, we're going to break down all 14, and we're going to start at the bottom. And when I talk about these teams, I'm going to throw up to their schedule for the upcoming season here on the YouTube channel, if you're following along. And we're going to go with Vanderbilt first. The Vanderbilt Commodores... Hate to say it for all uh, you Commodores out there, but you're still going to be near the bottom of the SEC. I don't think I'm taking anyone by surprise here, but, you know, tricky non-conference schedule here for Vanderbilt. Open the season at Hawaii, and Hawaii's a train wreck. So I given Vanderbilt the edge. I think they'll be favored, even though it's on the road at Hawaii. They got Elon. <laughs> okay, not that tricky. But then here we go. We got Wake Forest at home. That's a pretty solid ball club. And then at Northern Illinois, who in the hell is setting these Vanderbilt schedules? At Hawaii, at Northern Illinois, and Elon at home. Come on, give me a break here. But the th <laughs> I, I honestly think Vanderbilt's probably only going to be favored in three of those games. And probably the biggest one, Wake Forest, is at home. So, you know, maybe over under, you know, th that may be a somewhat of a coin flip type ball game. So, and at this point, Vanderbilt, not seeing any conference games that you're going to be favored in. You got Alabama somehow. Vanderbilt drew Alabama this year at Georgia. I mean, come on. The closest ones may be Missouri, but that's on the road. Florida is at home. Tennessee's at home. But still, you know, no, nobody in their right mind is going to be picking Vanderbilt to be favored in those games. Not saying they can't win them, but I'm saying not favored. So my over-under win total for Vanderbilt – Projected 
three and a half. Vanderbilt, the challenge to you to get to four wins this season. Can you do it? Now, next up, sticking here in the SEC East, the Missouri Tigers. Again, they have a little bit of a tricky non-conference schedule as well. Louisiana Tech to open the season. That's been a, you know, off and on solid program. They nearly beat Mississippi State last season. And then week two of the year, you're going on the road to Kansas State, which beat LSU in the bowl game. Of course, that LSU was about half a damn roster there. But still, that's going to be a tricky game for Missouri. So some tough ones coming out the gate for Missouri in the non-conference. I still think you can win all those games. Now, here's the tricky part. Again, when you get into conference play, Georgia, you're getting them early. They're at home. You'd like to win all your SEC home games, but Georgia, is that realistic? I don't know. Kentucky, a lot of people are going to favor them as uh, the number two team in the East. And then Arkansas, that's another one of your home games. So a very, very tricky home SEC schedule here for the Missouri Tigers. A lot of unanswered questions, whereas the road games at Florida, at South Carolina, at Tennessee, probably not going to be favored. At Auburn as well, probably not going to be favored in any of those ball games. Not saying you can't win them. Again, I'm going by win total projections, and that usually goes with who's favored to win the football game. So for Missouri, your number's five and a half. You get to a bowl game, I think you're overachieving based on the over-under I'm giving for you, five and a half. Next on the list, this is the probably the trickiest one of them all. I'm feeling the least confident that I nailed it. But for the Auburn Tigers, over under win total. And as Cousin Shane likes to keep pointing out, you got a hell of a favorable schedule out the gate. Mercer at home, San Jose State at home, Penn State, which is probably going to be a top 25 team, but you're getting them at home. Missouri at home. LSU, my God, Auburn got the, the lucky draw here. Five consecutive home games to start the season. That could be one hell of an advantage. Brian Harson and company could get on a real roll here. So why do I got the over-under so low? Coming up after that, at Georgia, at Ole Miss, Arkansas is going to be tough, even though that's at home. At Mississippi State, Texas A&M, what a damn gauntlet here. You do get Western Kentucky, but hell, they just had a quarterback throw for like 7,000 yards last year, and then you finish at Alabama. So you may start out hot, but I think you're going to peter out here in the tail end of the season. So, Auburn, I think your projected win total, six. Could be a little bit off on that one. Could be as high as seven, seven and a half at the most. But I think given all the offseason drama, I think six is a solid number here for the Auburn Tigers. Now, next on the list, <laughs> this is the one that's going to cause the most reaction, I think. But, hey, this is truly what I think the number is is likely to be set out. I'm not going to make any friends here in Columbia, South Carolina, because I got the Gamecocks over under win total six and a half for the upcoming season. Now, you're probably sitting back, well, how in the hell can it be lower than what they just won? Again, this is just regular season. I know the additions they got. Hell, I'm pumping them up more than just about anybody, but the schedule is pretty tricky here. Georgia State out the gate. You should beat the hell out of them. But week two at Arkansas, very tough game. Georgia, week three, again, very tough game. You got two cupcakes with Charlotte and South Carolina State after that. But then you're at Kentucky, 
That ain't going to be easy, brother. Texas A&M at home, they beat you by about 50 last year. Missouri at Vanderbilt could win both of those games, probably should win both those games. But then at Florida, Tennessee at home, at Clemson. This is a gauntlet here, too, for the South Carolina Gamecocks. So I don't think they're going to be favored in more than six football games here. So I'm going South Carolina. You're over under six and a half. And I cannot wait for all the comments here. If that's a number, I'm hammering it. <laughs> Everybody hammers their over-under win total in the offseason, but I think that's a realistic over-under for South Carolina right now, six and a half. And also at six and a half, this team is just annually underrated. Uh, and it doesn't matter you know, what they do in the regular season, but they're always basically picked dead last in the SEC West. Not saying that's going to happen, but that'll be – you know, that's probably where the consensus is year in, year out. Mississippi State, six and a half for you as well. Also, a little bit of a tricky schedule here for the Bulldogs. They get Memphis at home. We all know, you know, that, that's going to be a revenge game. Last year, you got screwed in that one. At Arizona the following week, Arizona's terrible. Should cruise in that game, but you just never know going on the road. The other non-conference games, you got Bowling Green, ETSU, automatic W's there. But, man, this schedule's tough. Texas A&M, they're going to want some revenge at Kentucky, at Alabama, Auburn at home, Georgia at home. Oof. It's never good for a West team when they draw Georgia on the other side. And then the Egg Bowls in Oxford. So I'm not seeing much of a way Mississippi State over under win total is going to be much higher than six, six and a half. I got it right there at six and a half. And feel free to hammer that number down there in Starkville. Now, next on the list, this team, I might I might have this one a little off because they got so much national respect, they just hired a hell of a football coach. But I'm going seven is the number for LSU. And a large part of that is who they open the season with here. Florida State, it's in New Orleans, in the Superdome. Probably going to win that game, but it is a toss-up. What's uh, the South – that Mike Norvell, what's he been down there three or four years now? I mean, he should have a competent team. I don't think he does, so LSU should beat them. But if you, for whatever reason you have a hiccup in the first game of the Brian Kelly era, I think that could determine uh, whether you get over this over-under win total of seven. You got Southern in the non-conference, New Mexico in the non-conference, and UAB. So yeah, you're going to get three wins easy should be four in the non-conference it's all about the sec schedule for the tigers and who you got at home mississippi state tennessee ole miss alabama i mean i'm not seeing any guaranteed wins right there in a first year under brian kelly you should win a couple of those ball games but there's no guarantees with the road trips at auburn at florida at arkansas at texas a&M, I think seven right there. Year one under Brian Kelly, I think that's going to be your over-under win total. And that's the same number, seven, that I have for the Florida Gators in the first season under Billy Napier. And a lot of that has to do with coming right out the gate, who the Gators got. Utah just went to the Rose Bowl. That's going to be an anticipated matchup. And then no favors done here. Week two, Kentucky comes to town. 
this could be the best Kentucky team of the Mark Stoops era. And that's saying something, considering Kentucky's won 10 games twice now in the last four years. It's going to be tough. USF, week three, should beat the hell out of them. But then a trip to Tennessee. So Utah, Kentucky at Tennessee. If you win two or three of those games, you're going to go way over this over under of seven. But if you go, you know, one and three, two and two, right out the gate, I'm not liking your odds to do much more than seven because at the tail end of it, we got LSU, even though that's at home, Georgia in Jacksonville at A&M, South Carolina, which just beat you, at Vandy, at Florida State. You know, Florida may be a good one to pick to go over, but that beginning stretch of the season, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough for any coach to come. I know we're all on the Billy Napier bandwagon here, but he's the greatest coach in the world until he loses a game. And I'm not saying he's going to come out and lose a bunch of games, but it's set up to happen that way. Now, if he overachieves, more power to him. But seven, I think, is the over-under win total for the Florida Gators right now. And speaking of a tough schedule, Arkansas, I got you at seven and a half. I think that's going to be your over-under win total. And that's not necessarily a reflection of the football team there in Fayetteville because, hell, you just won nine games, year two under Sam Pittman, trending up in Fayetteville, no doubt. But look at this gauntlet. I mean, Cincinnati at home should beat the hell out of them. Then South Carolina comes to town. That's going to be a very underrated game. Missouri State, you'll wax them, but you just never know. Bobby Petrino, that's interesting. Texas A&M, next on the schedule at AT&T Stadium. They're going to want revenge. Alabama comes to town at Mississippi State, at BYU. Good God. At Auburn, Liberty with Hugh Freeze, LSU at home, Ole Miss at home, and at Missouri. So, yeah, could you win eight games there? Certainly. But Vegas is not going to pick you to do it. I guarantee it. I mean, they look down on the Razorbacks, and this is probably the position you want to be. You want this number to be low because you want to exceed expectations. But given the schedule, I think seven, seven and a half is right going to be where Arkansas finds themselves when these over-unders are released. Now, I got three teams here kind of all plugged together. Let's start with Ole Miss. I think they're over-under win total coming off a 10-win regular season here. I think you're going to be right at 8.5, one of the higher win totals in the SEC, given the job Lane Kiffin's done there, the transfers that he's got to come to Oxford. And you got a pretty favorable schedule here. Non-conference games, Troy, Central Arkansas, at Georgia Tech, Tulsa, right out the gate. Those are your four. You should be 4-0. should wax all those teams, even Georgia Tech, I would think. You get to Kentucky to open SEC play, but you get them at home. You go to Vanderbilt, then you get Auburn at home. I mean, there's a real opportunity that Ole Miss is, you know, 7-1, and 8-0 to start the season. I mean, that's not too unrealistic. Now, the back end of the schedule, oof, at LSU, at A&M, Alabama comes to town, at Arkansas, Mississippi State, you'll be lucky to win – Three or four of those. I mean, it's, it's going to be a damn gauntlet there. So eight and a half, I think, is a great number for Ole Miss. Shoot for nine, ten win seasons. Once again, it's certainly something that can happen. I'm just saying right here, I think the over-under is going to be eight and a half. 
And that's the same number I have for the Kentucky Wildcats. Again, I realize I'm saying this could be the best Kentucky team, hell, maybe ever, not just under Mark Stoops, but at all time of that football program. But the schedule here, you know, you got to look at your home games, your away games. At Florida, probably not going to be favored in that one. That's your first SEC game. Your second one is at Ole Miss, probably not going to be favored in that one either. Mississippi State, that's a tough one. They beat you last year. South Carolina, I know that's a tough one that uh, you won it last year, played horribly, still won the game. That's going to be tough at Tennessee, at Missouri, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Louisville coming home. But eight and a half, I think, is a realistic number here for the Kentucky Wildcats. And if if you were able to take the name off the jersey and say, this is Auburn or this is LSU, you're over under win total. It will probably be nine and a half, ten games. But because you're Kentucky, Vegas is going to downgrade you. That's just the way it is. I'm just being honest with you. I think Kentucky can certainly get to that 10-win mark once again. But over-under to start is going to be around 8, 8.5 in my opinion. And then the other team I've got at 8.5, Tennessee Vols. Now, you got to win out in your non-conference if you're going to hit this over, certainly. Ball State, at Pitt, Akron at home. And UT Martin, I mean, should beat the hell out of all those teams if you're Tennessee. Let's be honest here. It, it's really going to come down to how well you play at home in conference play. You got the Florida Gators coming to Rocky Top. Alabama, can you finally snap that streak? Kentucky's coming to town. They're going to be pissed off. And then at the tail end, Missouri. I mean, there's a real opportunity. I think Tennessee fans would, would be happy if they only suffered one loss of the four SEC home games they got. And then the away games, a lot of, they look pretty winnable in the SEC. At LSU, of course, his first year under Brian Kelly. At Georgia, okay, that one's not so winnable. But at South Carolina, at Vanderbilt, those are games Tennessee is going to go into expecting to win. And that's a big reason why I think I got, that's why I've got the Vols at eight and a half over under win total. Now the cream of the cream, I only got three SEC teams here that I think their over-under win total is going to be double digits. And it starts with the Texas A&M Aggies. I got their over-under win total at 10. And a large part, hey, all their non-conference games at home, that's a huge help. Sam Houston, Appalachian, Miami, and UMass at home. You, you should wax all those teams. I know Miami, I keep hyping that game up, but Year one under Mario Cristobal. A&M, you want to contend in the SEC. You got you to beat the hell out of these teams when they come to uh, College Station, and I think they will. Now, here's where it gets tricky because some tough road games here for the Aggies. At Mississippi State, at Alabama, at South Carolina, at Auburn. You lost to Mississippi State at home. Alabama's going to be seeking revenge. That's tough, and that's before we even get to uh, the home games here in SEC play. Ole Miss, Florida, LSU, and, of course, Arkansas on a neutral field. Yeah, you lost to several of those teams last season. So now that I'm I'm sitting here talking to myself almost out of 10 wins, I mean, nine and a half for the Aggies may be a little bit more realistic, but the hype train is real they're in College Station, so I'm sticking with it. I'll go with 10. I think the over-under for A&M is going to be 10. 
And then, of course, we're only down to two teams here, Alabama and Georgia. And I got the same number for each of them, 11 and a half. And here's the key to that one. There's not a damn game on either schedule for Alabama or Georgia. I'm not saying they're just going to run gallant through the schedule. I don't think that's going to happen. But when these odds come out this season, they're going to be favored in every single game, at least in the summer. Now, that could quickly change once we see these teams on the field. But, I mean, Alabama, what are we looking at? What's your trickiest game? At Texas? Give me a break. At Arkansas? That could be tough. A&M at home. Tennessee on the road. At Ole Miss. Auburn at home. There's not a chance in hell Alabama is not favored in every single one of those football games. So, over under, they're not going to pick it 12, 11 and a half, I think is the, is the better number. And they get, of course, Vanderbilt as their cross. I don't know how – it seems like Alabama plays uh, Vanderbilt about every other year as their crossover game. But maybe I'm just confusing Vanderbilt and Tennessee because they often look alike on the field. But – and the same, same deal with Georgia here. I mean, you get Oregon right out the gate – on a neutral field, but really, is it really neutral? It's in Atlanta. You beat the hell out of them. Sanford, Kent State, Georgia Tech. I mean, my God, you might you probably average margin of victory 60 points in those non-conference games. Who you got on the road? At South Carolina, at Missouri, at Mississippi State, at Kentucky. You're going to be favored in every single one of those games as well as every home game you got. So 11.5 win total for Georgia and Alabama. They will be the favorites to meet in Atlanta. Again, I'm not sitting here saying it's going to happen. Already I'm not calling it this early on the calendar, but I'm saying that is going to be what Vegas projects for Alabama and Georgia, 11.5 wins this upcoming season. Now, if I haven't pissed off the rest of the SEC, <laughs> we got a couple clips here. Real quick, not a ton of, uh, you know, it's spring football at a couple of these schools, but not a ton of news. It's still early, and right out the gate, it's a lot of stretching anyway. But I just thought this was pretty fascinating. So let's kick it down to uh, Missouri real quick, where Eli Drinkowitz met with the media here. I believe this was on Tuesday, uh, late after practice, and he was asked, of course, the Tigers hosted Jaden Daniels, the Arizona State transfer, who, of course, we know by now he's LSU quarterback. He's getting in on campus in Baton Rouge in time for spring football. So where does that leave Missouri in their quarterback competition? Are they still seeking a quarterback? Here's what Eli Drinkwitz had to say. Um, I wouldn't say we're always looking, but if the right opportunity presented itself and we felt like it was somebody who could add competition to the room, um, then we'll evaluate each person individually. Uh, we're not, uh, I would say we're not actively seeking, but we're not actively shying away from it either. So if there's somebody who wants to com come and compete uh, for the starting quarterback job, um, I think if you talk to Tyler or if you talk to uh, Brady, they would both welcome competition because that's who we are. But you're not going to get a chance to talk to them because I'm not going to let you. Yeah, both of them are working uh, really hard to improve on the things that we identified as weaknesses for them. Um, and they make mistakes. They grow from those mistakes. They're doing a good job of showing leadership. Um, I think Coach Hamden's really developing those guys and spending a lot of time um, 
in, in practice habits and practice development. I've been very impressed with their growth. So he says, no, yes, no, kind of, maybe so, but of course, of course the answer is yes. I mean, they were just trying to get Jane Daniels, and they swung and missed here. Now he's off to LSU. So now the Tigers are left scrambling, and, you know, if you listen back, go back and listen to our interview. If you missed it with Nate Edwards from Rock M Nation, there's a better transfer quarterback coming, in my opinion, for this offense, for the Missouri Tigers, and it's JT Daniels. And I think this is a message to JT Daniels and any other player that is planning to go into the transfer portal, planning on leaving, maybe after spring football. He's basically putting the uh, help wanted sign here in Columbia, Missouri, letting quarterbacks know if you're looking to play, there's opportunity here at Missouri. We're not naming a starting quarterback. And at the same time, you know, maybe this is a little bit of Drinkwitz telling Sam Horn, you know, there's certainly an opportunity for you. You continue to work hard, get here in the summer, and prove yourself. But really what he's saying, because you got to have – you just I don't think Missouri's in a position right now where they can start a true freshman quarterback, which they would have to do if Sam Horn was the guy that came in here and started and become truly competitive in the SEC. He's just putting feelers out there. I'm an offensive guy. We don't have – an answer at quarterback right now. We got guys battling it out. But if you're looking to come to the SEC, look at Missouri. And that's the message here that I'm reading in between the lines of what Eli Drinkwitz had to say. And then last little thing here, real quick. I just thought this was pretty interesting because uh, the, the Kentucky Wildcats, they have opened spring practice as well up there in Lexington. And after the first practice of the spring, Will Levis, starting quarterback, and new offensive coordinator Rich Scangarello spoke with the media, and I found something a little bit interesting here. So let's kick it over to, uh, again, this is Will Levis and Rich Scangarello, the new Kentucky offensive coordinator, talking about uh, improving Levis's game heading into his final season here at Kentucky. Uh, I mean, I, I think Coach Gangarello brings a lot of just technicality to the quarterback position. He's really able to focus in on the little things. And, I mean, just with his experience and how many different NFL quarterbacks he's worked with, he understands how different guys tick and how um, just footwork and timing align with certain concepts and routes. And I think that just um, the little things that we've switched already footwork-wise and timing-wise uh, is going to help us a lot in the long run. We've talked a lot about the similarities in the offense. Is, is day one of no, 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 no. It definitely some stuff a little different. Some terminology is a little different, but we try to keep as much as we could the same. But uh, we're all, especially with the meetings we've had, uh, just with the switch in terminology and, and how we're going to call plays, uh, we had a pretty solid kind of smooth first day. But I mean, first day camp always going to be a little rusty. Definitely some things we got to work on, but also a lot of good things. We did a lot of things we did really well. Yeah. I just say marrying my footwork with throws and just really getting consistency when it comes to timing and that just the throw starts from the ground up. When, when, a, when a throw is missed, it's more often than not you can see something with the footwork as to why that throw missed. And so just really just working on just perfecting my footwork and getting the time and accuracy of my throws on point. Yeah, I mean, I my background and kind of my beliefs in quarterback play and what I, I know and have taught is everything is tied to the timing uh, of the feet. And if you're going to run this style of offense, a pro style offense, and you're going to be 
you want to bring out the best in the quarterback. Um, the timing elements are everything, and I just feel like it empowers them to be in position to throw. When things flash, you generate more explosives. You're more accurate. Um, there's a lot of things that catch and run is important, and, and it all starts with the quarterback's feet. So, yeah, Will's made a switch. Um, he likes it. I think it'll just get better and better the more he does it, and uh, like the way it looked today. You see how physical he is. How does that well, he's got to protect himself too. So we've had some discussions. You know, there's a fine line between uh, being a baller and being reckless. Um, and when your organization or your university or your teammates and people are counting on you, uh, there's a good balance of, of uh, you know, controlling impulse control is what I'd say, where you have to make those decisions in split seconds to protect yourself and get down or run out of bounds full speed or hey I need the first down on third and five and this is to win a game I gotta sell out so to me his his physicality is one of his blessings but it's also something that if he doesn't manage it could lead to negatives too and so that's that's the fine line where when you're in a red jersey and you're not getting hit you never feel that so uh, it's not until game day so practicing that mindfully now will only help him down the road now we're talking footwork here I mean we're <laughs> Truly in the dog days of uh, the college football offseason. But I just wanted to make this point because that was the thing. I mean, you talk to any Kentucky fan, they're all in on Will Levis. And I'm not sitting here saying he's a bad quarterback, but with Wandell off to the NFL, with uh, you know some elite linemen off to the NFL, as well as some key defensive players off to the NFL – this has got to be Will Levis-led offense. I know you still got Chris Rodriguez, but, you know, I'm trying to sit here and think when's the last time a running back took over the SEC. The, the last one that comes to mind is Derrick Henry. And all due respect to Chris Rodriguez, he ain't no Derrick Henry because there's only one of those guys. He's a, he's a unicorn. And if Kentucky's going to win the SEC East, it's not going to be because Chris Rodriguez rushes for 2,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. It's going to be because Will Levis quits making mistakes, quits turning the ball over as a more accurate passer, and takes a step further in his development in this offense, has true command of what the Kentucky coaches are asking him to do. And it's got to start from the beginning, from the basics, from the fundamentals. And when someone comes in from the NFL and tells you, you know, let's chip chip down to the basics, what I think you're getting wrong already, and the quarterback is embracing it and willing to publicly comment on it. I think that's just a sign of, uh, you know, the relationship he had with William Liam Cohen was strong, but it's got to start like that with this new offensive coordinator right off the bat if Kentucky is going to achieve and reach those epic goals they have this season in the SEC. So I just love to hear this from Will Levis. you got to be able to – in springtime, you got to pick these little nuggets out, and this is a nugget that I'd heard here, and spreading it on with you guys. So, hey, again, I'm I'm on the Kentucky bandwagon, and uh, I just love to hear these little comments here from the quarterback and your offensive coordinator, Rick Scangarillo. But hey, that's going to do it. That's all I got on this episode of the show. I'm try, still trying to line up a couple guest interviews. We'll see if those come through or not before the week is done but if not we got arkansas speaking i believe we got texas a&m speaking here we got uh, south carolina's going to hit the practice field next week as well as tennessee i mean 
spring football is back baby in the sec and that just means more content for us to pour through and look for little gems like we just got on this one so hey that's going to do it for this episode of the show we'll catch you on the next one